Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. I believe in miracles and I believe in a miracle working God. If we are gathered together, we're supposed to be supernatural people clothed in supernatural power, gathered around a supernatural name. Then it appears to me something supernatural ought to occasionally happen in your life and in mine. Our God is a miracle-working God. Now, I'm reminded of Mary's words when she was told by the angel Gabriel, you're going to be the mother of God. Can you imagine? Say what? She's a teenage virgin girl, and her first reaction was, look, Jack. Well, his name was Gabriel, but she said, look, Sparky, I haven't slept with a man. How can this be? Now, wouldn't you assume that to be a good response? I would. That would be a normal, natural response, because some of you are saying, I don't see how we'll ever get out of this. I don't see how we'll ever recover from this. I don't know how we're going to handle this. You say it all the time. And look what the archangel said to her. He says, with God, nothing is impossible. Get rid of that word impossible. And when that thought captures your mind and your spirit, you develop a miracle mentality because sooner or later, folks, you're going to need a miracle. Sooner or later, you're going to face a crisis, and you're not going to have the resources to meet that crisis, and you're going to have to miracle, have to have one to survive. You know, the crisis may come when you hear your doctor say, I'm sorry, it's cancer, it's inoperable, it's untreatable, and fear will seize you by the throat, and you must have a miracle or die. And by the way, let me pause and add a little balance here. You don't need a miracle when there's a natural solution. God's given us wisdom. He's progressively uh, brought knowledge to us in mankind. And there are a lot of wonderful things that can take care of some problems naturally. Well, you need wisdom to do that. But when there is no cure, when there is no answer, when there is no resource, I need a miracle. That's when you need a miracle. Some people just get silly about this thing. Now, if you could get a miracle on demand, wouldn't that be nice? If you could, everybody would do it. God didn't promise a miracle on demand. He does promise he's a miracle-working God, and they usually occur when we need it and there's no other solution to it. Psalms 103, verse 1, 2, and 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases. Our God is a God of miracles. He breathed life into the body and dead womb of Sarah, who was 90 years old. He gave reproductive power to her old husband, Abraham, who was 100. Now, some of you may not want that much power, but it did happen. That was a miracle. Here's a dead womb in Sarah and in Mary, a womb that had never seen life. And yet from a dead womb and a virgin's womb, God produced life to demonstrate to humanity that whatever your circumstances, he can make the miracle happen. Look with me as we go through this Bible, this miracle manual, and look at what God has done. 
He parted the Red Sea for Moses and the children of Israel and drowned Pharaoh's army, demonstrating he's greater than any authority or dictator on earth. Now, I know some people say, well, yeah, but it was the Sea of Reeds and it was only ankle deep. Well, excuse me, how are you going to drown an army in ankle deep water? I, uh, these TV programs, uh, they go so far left to try to uh, di dishonor God and dismiss the miracle power of God that I sit there and just scratch my head and say, if I was a dope smoking atheist, I'd have to say, you crazy, <laughs> just crazy. No, he drowned the whole army and that wasn't ankle deep water. He rained manna down from heaven for 40 years. And Israel ate it every morning. And there was not one sick or feeble person among them. That'll set your hair on fire. He caused water to spring from a dry rock in the wilderness that provided life for a few million people and all of their livestock. He's the God who held the sun still for Joshua as Israel fought its battle in the valley. Our God will help you defeat your enemies as well. He's a God who muzzled the mouths of lions for Daniel. He was, uh, what did I say one time? A, a McDaniel sandwich. He was a McDaniel. And God shut the mouths of those starving lions. They starved them so they would ravenously attack anybody they threw in the pit. And they should have devoured the prophet of God. But old Dan slept safe all night while the king's pacing the floor in the palace, birthing peptic ulcers. This is a God who walked into the furnace of fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as the fourth man in the fire. And when you get in the fire, God doesn't send somebody else to help you. He shows up himself. This is amazing. He healed the lame, the deaf, the blind. One day he touched a blind man who was instantly healed. On another occasion, he touched a man twice and he was healed. And by the way, sometimes God heals progressive and sometimes instant. More often than not, you begin to be healed. It's progressive. Occasionally, on a few occasions, I have seen it instantly, but it's much rarer than somebody starts to be made well and starts improving until it's gone. Okay, keep those things in mind. And by the way, God does want us well but you will die. Let, let me, this is where me and charismatics get, get crossways. If they talk too much about everybody's going to be well, then ain't nobody going to die. The Bible says it's appointed unto man wants to die. After this, the judgment. You are mortal. You will run out of time. My dad lived to be 101, but he died. And Adam and some of these other guys lived 950 years, but they died. Mark my words, you will die. So I expect to be healthy until God has another plan for me. And if you don't get well, then God's got a better plan for you. So try to keep your sanity in the midst of the supernatural. Okay? Okay, he healed blood diseases, specifically leprosy. That's probably like AIDS today, a blood disease that had no cure. If you got leprosy in the Bible, you had a death sentence you could only look forward to the grave. There was no medical help for you at all. The Jesus who healed blood diseases can heal all of us today of any type of a blood disease. He still has that power. He healed the paralytic man. You remember that? The cripple, meaning he's the master of every nerve disorder. He healed one-on-one. -on -one. 
He healed in mass. He healed long distance. In the case of the centurion's son, he prayed a prayer for this kid who was far away. And that son was supernaturally healed because there's no distance in prayer. You can pray from right here. Jesus said to his church in John chapter 14, verse 12, greater things than these shall you do because I go to my father. See, the day of miracles is not over. There's not one verse, not one word, not one chapter that ever says it's over. And I grew up with a bunch of people that said it's over. All we had forward to look forward to is build me a cabin in glory and I'll fly away. That's real victory. Yeah. He's still the healing Jesus. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. What he did by the shores of Galilee, he can do in San Antonio, Miami, Seattle, London, New York, and yeah, even Washington, D.C. He can do it anywhere in the world. In Mark 16, verse 17 and 18, it says, These signs will accompany them that believe. In my name they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Our Father in heaven is still Jehovah Rophe, the God who heals our diseases. His son Jesus Christ came to earth. He introduced himself as the great physician. He's still the conqueror of death, hell, and the grave, and every disease and sickness known to mankind. The Bible says nothing is impossible with God. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. Now notice, as soon as you lay that scriptural basis for faith out and miracles, there's always somebody who's spiritually challenged who says, well, I just don't understand miracles. Well, duh, you don't have to understand miracles to have one. I don't understand my wife, but I got one. <laughs> I just threw that in. Are we still going to lunch? I don't know. I don't understand how a black cow eats green grass, gives white milk and yellow butter, but I drink the milk and eat the butter, and I like it. I can't explain electricity. I use it every day. So are you going to sit in darkness until you figure it out? Do you understand how food is converted into energy when you eat it? Probably not a chance, but are you going to stop eating until you understand it? Philip Delarosa said, no, he, he's going to eat. See, if, you, if you're only willing to experience in life what your mind can understand, you're going to live a small, shallow, empty life, and you most assuredly will never get a miracle. Do you need a miracle? Then have faith in God because nothing is impossible to a believer. In 1 John 5, verse 4, he says, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. The Bible says God has given to every man a measure of faith. That's in Romans 12. That means there isn't a person in this room or watching online that doesn't have some faith. Even an atheist has faith. There is no God. So don't say you don't have any faith. You can improve and build your faith. That's a positive thing to do. But you can't even be saved without faith. So that measure of faith can grow by hearing God's word. Romans 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. So as the word of God goes into you, your faith leaps. The more scripture I know, the more I hear it, the more I, I'm reminded of something, the more faith resonates in me, the more expectation I have that God's up to something good. I have a more positive outlook. I'm more hopeful for God's intervention. 
But if you don't get any word in you, you come Christmas and Easter, you don't have much going for you. So faith can be built like going to the gym can build muscle. Sadly, a lot of believers don't do anything to develop their faith and to help it grow. When you won't believe God for a $10 solution, you can't believe him for a million-dollar solution. When you won't believe God to heal a headache, it's going to be a real problem you asking God to heal cancer. See, God wants every one of us to stop walking by, by sight and walk by faith, to walk in the Word of God, to live in the presence of God and expect a miracle. See, the plan of redemption has made it possible for my sins to be forgiven and my body to be made well. Psalms 103, remember? Bless the Lord, O my soul. David's telling his soul, hey, you do what I tell you. You're going to bless the Lord. And everything else down there, you're going to bless the Lord. I love that. He's dictating. Well, I don't feel like. Do it anyway. That's what he's saying. It's called the sacrifice of praise. At 8 o'clock, if you hadn't had coffee, you probably don't feel like offering a sacrifice of praise. That's why it's a sacrifice when you offer it. And God said, I love it. See, what are the benefits of God? He forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. And so he says, I'm going to forgive all your sin. I can heal all your diseases. How many iniquities does God forgive? All, not some. How many diseases can he heal? All, not some. See that? Understand healing didn't begin with the ministry of Jesus. It began in the book of Exodus when the children of Israel were coming out of Pharaoh's bondage and God the Father initiated the healing ministry. So God says to Israel as they came through the Red Sea in Exodus 15, verse 26, I will put none of these diseases on you that I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I like that. Yeah. God established in Exodus 15, I'm God the Father, and I am a healer. His son Jesus became a healer because his daddy was a healer. And just how successful was God's medical program for all the children of Israel? Well, David answers, and you ought to put this in, on your refrigerator. This is in uh, Psalms 105, verse 37. God brought them forth with silver and gold, and there was not one sick or feeble among all of their tribes. Three million people. 40 years in the wilderness, not one sick. Nobody had COVID. Didn't even have to wear a mask. And now we come to the new covenant. That was the old covenant. Now we come to the new covenant. In Hebrews 8, verse 6, we have a better covenant with better promises than they did. Did you see that? Let God, don't get, well, I think, shut up, don't think. Read God's word. Trust God's word. The trouble is we don't want to, we, we'd rather just have an opinion by what somebody said. But I was taught, you sit down, you read God's word. God means what God says. That is important at Hebrews 8, verse 6. Keep that in mind. Then, then, then watch this. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs, our illnesses, our infirmities, our sicknesses. Read it in the Hebrew. You can look it up on Google. He carried our sorrows, our pain, and by his stripes on the cross, we are healed. Okay, now when I grew up in church, they said, well, now, Rick, that's just spiritual healing. That's just spiritual healing. Your sins are forgiven. You're going to heaven. You're healed spiritually. Okay, let's go to the new covenant, a better covenant, and now it's Jesus. In Matthew 8, verse 16, 
He healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, spoken by the prophet Isaiah. We just read it, that he himself took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, that's letting the Bible interpret the Bible. You're letting an apostle quote from an Old Testament passage that it's way more than spiritual. He was healing sick people, casting out demons, and making the blind to see that it might be fulfilled. So you see the promise of letting Scripture interpret Scripture. You'll never get in trouble. There's not a verse in the Bible that said Jesus doesn't heal anymore. Listen, Jesus is still our healer, and the miracles in his word are available to you and I today. Hebrews 13, verse 8, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he has done, he can still do, and he can heal you. In James 5, verse 14, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the prayer of faith shall restore the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. So this is a progressive healing, and it's through the church family. God says, hey, if you're not feeling well, get those that are trusted with authority to pray for you. It doesn't have to be the pastor. It has to be those that have been delegated authority to pray for you. Believers can pray for each other. You can pray for your own children at home when they come down with the condition. You can make it better by praying over them. Ought to be a regular practice. You can do it anywhere, a restaurant, a ball game, somebody gets nauseous, doesn't feel well, I've reached over and grabbed the hand or the arm or the shoulder and just prayed out loud. I rebuke this nausea in Jesus' name. I command you to stop. Use it or lose it. See, when I grew up in church, they never told me I had authority to do anything. Just be a good loser. Wrestle not. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible says. You've got a measure of authority that Jesus gave you to live on this earth. He didn't leave you a victim. He didn't leave you defenseless. He gave you the power of attorney to use his name. Whatever you ask in my name, he said, whatever you bind in my name, I will bind. So I've got some authority. I ain't Jesus, but I've got some of his authority. I've got a legal right to health and healing unless God, unless God has a better plan for me. But overall, generally, it is his will that you might prosper and be in health. Stick with that. Believe that. Quote that out loud to yourself. Renew your mind. Proverbs 4, 22. God says his words are life to those who find them and health to your whole body. Psalms 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. That means, folks, go to the word not your mother-in-law. Go to the Word. Speak the Word. Declare it. Believe the Word. Stand on the Word. It'll drive the enemy crazy because most people won't do it. Every time Jesus had to fight the enemy, he would quote Scripture. So who are you not to? Quote Scripture. It is the sword of the Lord. It's two-edged. It's alive. It's powerful. It's not Reader's Digest. It is a weapon and it will do severe damage to the enemy and his plans against you. So this is God's prescription for disease. Third John 2, beloved, I wish above all things that you might prosper, do well in life, and be in health as your soul prospers. So what could be clearer than 
unless you are some exception and God's going to take you home or God has a better plan for you, then God says, I do want you to be well and I want you to do well. So how do you get steps to a miracle? Number one, confess all known practicing sin. Confess it to the Lord. James 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. Number two, believe it's God's will to make you well. Third John 1, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you might prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Exodus 15, 26. If you will obey me, I will put none of these diseases upon you, for I am the Lord who heals all your diseases. If you started reading these and putting them on a legal pad and reading them every day over and over, you have no idea what that'll do to your body. Bring life and recovery to your body. Your confidence will just go sky high. You may have to fight a long time. Everybody didn't get well. Even Jesus had to touch one guy twice. He said, well, a blind man, I, I see men as trees. And Jesus whacked him again. He said, I see men clearly. Now, if the Son of Almighty God prayed twice, you might have to pray more than once. Yeah. Does it make sense? Uh, okay. Mark 16, verse 17 and 18. I love this one because of what I'm going to do. These signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Of course, I'm sure in San Antonio, we don't have any. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, please let me stop. Don't go snake hunting. This is not Scripture saying, go prove you're a faithful person by picking up a snake. Paul was gathering firewood, and a snake was in the fire, and it came out and bit him on the hand, and Paul didn't say, well, praise the Lord. Paul shook it off. And I imagine he said something in Greek or Hebrew, like, holy Moses. They shook it off. And they, natives thought he's going to die because it was a quick, a quick death with that Asian viper. And nothing happened to it. Now, this is funny, too. God spared his life from that serpent so he could die in Rome. Because, Paul, you got to testify in Rome for Caesar. I can't let you die now. Okay. But we're going to die later down here. We're gonna, they're going to execute you in Rome. Isn't that, that's kind of funny when you think about it. So when God has a further purpose for your life, he can intervene. Were you bitten? Or if you're out on a mission field somewhere and they were trying to poison you, in, in God's purpose, in God's will, he would deliver you. But this is not presumptuous where you just go out and drink poison or pick up a snake, okay? Not in this church, okay? We ain't picking up any snakes. We might throw a few out, but we're not going to bring them in, okay? Now, skeptics say the day of miracles is over, but that can't be true if Jesus hasn't changed. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus rebuked illness. He considered it an enemy. He promised followers persecution, slander, some cases martyrdom, but never sickness and disease. There is no beatitude in the Bible that said, blessed are the sick. Amen. No. So, you know, there's three churches basically in America. First is the historic church. To them, Jesus is the great I was. 
The second is the futuristic church. Jesus is the great I will be. But Jesus is this third one, the I am church. The Bible reveals God is the God of now. He's the great I am, not I was or I will be. I am that I am. That means now he can heal you. He's still the bread of life. He's still the living water. He's still the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's still the great physician. He's still the alpha and omega. You touch him, and I guarantee you, a miracle is coming your way. Listen to what he did for all of us at Calvary. This is the Calvary exchange. He took my poverty and gave me the wealth of Abraham. He took my sickness and gave me divine health. He took my guilt and gave me forgiveness of my sin. He took my rejection and adopted me as his own. I'm a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. He took my death and gave me everlasting life. Therefore, when I came to the cross and accepted him, instantly all of those benefits became mine. Thank God for the cross. Third, denounce all works of darkness. In Matthew 8, verse 16, it says, When evening came, they brought to Jesus many who were under the power of demons, and he drove out those spirits with his word, and he restored health to all those who were sick. Sometimes infirmity comes from the enemy. Not always. Sometimes it does. So I always rebuke the enemy. Since it's a spirit, I can't see it, I will go for it. Go for the juggler. See, if, if you're a believer and you play with the occult, palm readers, fortune tellers, and horoscopes, you're giving Satan legal ground to control and invade your life. That's what happened in those days when Jesus was healing them. If you have occult images and idols in your home, you give the enemy spiritual free access to be in your home. Remove them immediately. Burn them, smash them, destroy it. And don't wear it as jewelry either. When I used to travel the world, I picked up Buddha heads. I picked up all kinds of stuff from pagan cultures and brought them home just to show my travels in, in my bookcases. And when we did a study on these uh, objects of the occult and how there are touching points for the enemy and how they can bring sickness or chaos or trouble to your home or family, I went home. Cindy helped me. We boxed everything up. And we didn't give it away. We trashed it. We put it in a dumpster and sent it away. I wanted no part of giving the enemy a free shot at me. When you open up your palm, when you let some old witch read your mind or your palm or your horoscope, are you kidding me? You read the Bible. God's got all your future written out right there, and it's good. It's good. You can you open yourself up to demonic spirits. I even had one guy who couldn't get well, and he had a piece of jewelry from the occult. He was, not a, he, was, he was a good guy. He was a Christian guy, but he couldn't shake this disease. And I saw that, and knowing that we had just studied it and thrown it out, I said, you're going to have to trust me on this, and don't think I'm crazy. I think you need to take that piece of jewelry off and destroy it. And then I, he did and I prayed over him, and I remember he got well completely, and he talked to me, and he says, I am stunned. It was as simple as removing that piece of jewelry that allowed the enemy access into my body. So I got rid of it. Thank God. So you have to make this choice, but if you'll read enough scriptures, you'll find out this is not a benefit at all. Get rid of it. And number four, recognize that healing comes from the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10, verse 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit 
and power and how he went around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. See, God wants you well. Jesus paid for it on the cross. I have a legal right as his kid to that health and healing he bought for me. And some of your families, certain infirmity runs. There was some in, in, the, in the Godwin family. I remember what my father had multiple sclerosis. I can remember my grandmother had lupus and Parkinson's disease, and she would shake or whatever. And I remember when I first learned these principles, I would just every day, I break the curse of Parkinson's disease. I break that curse of lupus. I break the curse of multiple sclerosis. For Jesus, you became a curse for me on the cross that I might inherit all the blessings of Abraham. I don't have to receive what came through my natural family. You can cut that curse off through the power of Jesus. Now, the enemy knows he's an illegal trespasser, but he knows you don't know. And if you don't resist him, he just walk in and steal everything you got, kill and destroy. So you have to resist him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So God's given us some weapons. He's given us his words. He's given us rights to, to go on the offense and attack and attack. And it's through the Holy Spirit that that power is made manifest to all of us. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.